Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're going to see he turns his attentions to the surrounding kings and nations. But just before he does, he has a word for Brooke who felt completely overlooked by God. How often have you wanted to rock quietly in the corner with your proverbial skirt over your head crying, Woe is me! It's a pitiful thought, but not an entirely unique one. In the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, Baruch was having a pity party all of his own. He had the melancholies. He was worn out and becoming self-focused. Not a good combo. But God had news for him. Join Dr. Corbett tonight to understand God's message to Baruch and potentially to us as well. Do not seek great things for yourself. This is Jeremiah chapter 45 and verse 1. It says this, the word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he wrote these words in a book at the dictation of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. Now that verse is there to say, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this word, Baruch, and we are old friends. We have been friends, if you do the chronology here, we have been friends for nearly 50 years. This is a faithful friend. You, you and I, we, we date back to Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah. So this is, this is uh, four or five kings ago. <laughs> so this is someone who's been through thick and thin with Jeremiah. Baruch displayed some other admirable traits. They're the traits of aspiration. Aspiration is to aspire to something better. To be aspirational is to have a, a hope that you can be better, that you can improve, that your family's situation can improve, your situation can improve, that, that the things that you're responsible for can improve. That's what it means to be aspirational. And he had aspirations. I think that's a very, very positive thing. I hope you do. He also had ambition. He wanted to do better. He wanted to improve. He wanted something more. That's ambition. He also had desires. There are things that he wanted. He had a wish list. And he had dreams. Notice these words, aspiration, ambition, desires and dreams. Notice how often we use these words almost in a negative sense. I think it's healthy to have things that you want to achieve, things you want to do, ways you want to improve, ways you want to become better. Do you, do, do you have things in your heart that you, that you would like to know and you don't know yet? I, I, I do. do. Do you have things you want to do that you haven't done yet? I hope you do. And in fact, I would think if you didn't, you're probably going to struggle for a reason to get out of bed in the morning. So these things can be bad, like, for example, desire. Desire can be bad. You can have some really wrong desires, but you can have some healthy, good desires. And I think that's what we see in Baruch. So let's get this picture. Baruch is a faithful, loyal Diligent, servant-hearted friend to Jeremiah. 
He's got ambition. He's got desires. He's got aspirations. He's got dreams. But he was disappointed. And if we read between the lines of these verses in Jeremiah 45, we can see that quite possibly he was just a little bit disillusioned. Why? What had happened? Why was Baruch feeling this way? Let's have a look. The next verse, it says this. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch. Now we can read a verse like that and just keep reading through. If you're reading through the book of Jeremiah devotionally. But I want you to consider the bulk of what we've seen so far through the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah's been talking to kings. He's been talking to the entire nation. He's been talking to some of the leading figures of the city, of the nation. And now this one little verse is directed to his best friend, Baruch. Consider how Baruch had been feeling and consider that in the weight, in the light of this verse. Despite, perhaps despite thinking that Baruch was unknown to God, this verse tells us that he was intimately known by God. Consider that. He thought it's all over. Remember the context? They've gone down to Egypt and Jeremiah has said to everybody who's come down, every man shall die. <laughs> and Brooks right, every man shall die. Wait a minute. Jeremiah, we're men. What are you saying about, not just us, what are you saying about me, Jeremiah, what are you saying is going to happen to me? And in that moment of weakness where he's used a very dangerous word when it comes to serving God. Did anyone pick up that dangerous word? <laughs> Sometimes I give Nathan a bit of a hard time when we're selecting songs because I don't want the songs that we sing in this church to be about me. Oh God, I feel so wonderful when I worship you because I really like worshipping you. I feel so good. I get a kick out of it. I really love worshipping you. Yeah, 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 hallelujah. We raise our hands as if, why are we raising our hands? Because who are we singing about? Me, 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 me. What is that? So worship, I want to hope, hopefully show you that worship is the exact opposite of focusing on ourselves. It's actually focusing on God. And can see what Baruch is doing here. What about me? We're going to die? What? Oh, great. I've come down here. I have faithfully served Jeremiah for 50 years. I've got, I've got all this stuff going on. And what the heck? And so now we see that God gives a word to Jeremiah to deliver to Baruch. And this is the word. You said, woe is me. For the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning. I find no rest. So here's the word that Jeremiah has brought to Baruch. And here's my hunch. I don't think Jeremiah heard 
Baruch say this? Because I get the impression that Baruch is one of those guys that just internalizes it all. You ever met someone like that? They seem fine, they seem fine, they seem fine, and then one day, explode. They're very frustrating people to deal with. And I think Baruch is like that. And my my reason for thinking that is this is chapter 45. Not chapter 5, chapter 45. And this, I think strangely, the fact that God is saying this through Jeremiah to Baruch, I think very strangely Baruch would have gone, he heard me. He sees me. He notices me. The God who speaks to kings and nations hears me. This is, this is an amazing thought. All of this book, Kings and Nations, and in a moment after this, you, you'll see when we, get, when we start chapter 46, in the final days of Jeremiah's life, we're going to see he turns his attentions to the surrounding kings and nations. But just before he does, he has a word for Brooke who felt completely overlooked by God. Completely overlooked. And here we are. God exposes to Brooke's own heart the very cry of his heart where he said, The Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I'm weary with groaning. I find no rest. There's an old word that we used to use to describe people who are really sad. It's the word melancholic. You don't see it much. Unless you read a lot of Jane Austen, you don't see this word a lot. Melancholic. Today, we we probably use the word depressed, which sounds really harsh. Melancholy sounds kind of fun. (laughs) Kind of, I don't know, it's a collie sort of part of melon. Melon and collie are just like fun. There's a holly in there too, that's right. So it doesn't sound half as bad as the word depressed. But it is what it means, the same thing. Baruch's melancholy was partly due to... Did you notice how the words that God repeated back to Baruch? I am weary. It's a real clue... When we read that, and then we we get a a glimpse into his state of mind. Woe is me, I am weary, I am run down. And that's when we are very susceptible to feeling melancholy. If you are physically tired, if you are physically drained, if you are physically run down, and you are feeling just a little bit ragged, I guarantee you, You are prime candidate for feeling melancholy. Be aware of that. So this caused his his susceptibility to this. One of the best things someone feeling run down and really weary and tired can do is either go for a good walk and then have a good night's sleep. Baruch, it goes on, and Jeremiah is told to say this to him. Thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, what I have built, I am breaking down. And what I have planted, I am plucking up. That is the whole land. 
that word right there is, is the essence of the whole book of Jeremiah. Apart from the fact that we're missing the three key words, famine, sword and pestilence. But they're in there. And this is the, this is the intent that we read in the opening chapter of Jeremiah. So what is God saying to Baruch? He's saying, remember all the 44 chapters that you've just written? Do you remember what you wrote? Do you remember how I said from the start I would pull up Israel like unrooting a plant out of the ground? Do you remember how I said I would destroy Jerusalem and Judea? I would do this. I would tear it down. Do you remember? I said I would do this. You're wondering why haven't you got a position of power back in the city of a restored Jerusalem? Do you remember what I said? I was going to destroy Jerusalem. Don't you remember, Baruch? And this is the other thing that happens when you really run down. Sometimes as a follower of Christ, as someone who is trying to be loyal to God, when you physically run down and you let disappointment get in, this is the other thing that happens. You start to neglect God's word. You start to take your eyes off God's word. The vision that you once had, a clear vision of God's word, becomes a little bit dim, a little bit faint. And this is what's happened to Brooke because God is reminding him of the very things that he wrote. Remember, I told you I was going to do this. So he had lost a clear sense of God and what he was doing, what he was about. He lost a sense of God and his word. And that causes the believer to become even more susceptible to melancholy or depression. If you are physically run down, if your diet is really bad and you've stopped opening the word of God each day, you're a candidate for depression. And here's how I take Jeremiah chapter 45, this word to Baruch. I see this not as a huge rebuke to Baruch. I see this as a tender, compassionate, merciful God saying to Baruch in, and here's the key words, a moment of weakness. This was a moment of weakness. And you know the thing about a moment of anything? It's only for a moment. Was that, did I move too fast for anyone then? It's only for a moment. He, he's a good man. He's a faithful man. He's a loyal man. He's a servant. But he had a moment of weakness. And you know what his moment of weakness is? And just watch yourself when you have these moments of weakness. We all have them. I probably have them more than most. The, the moment of weakness was when he uttered these words. And let me paraphrase the words that he used. But let me paraphrase for you. What about me? <laughs> what about me? It's so easy in church life, in following Christ, to think, well, what about me? We're always caring for the visitor. We're always looking after the newcomer. But what about me? It's easy to do. It's easy to do in all sorts of aspects of serving God. Can we just be on guard against that? Because the what about me is, I think, gently rebuked by God. When God does two things, he speaks 
to Baruch and says, I've heard you and this is what you've said. That's the first thing. We're about to see the second thing. Because what if you were God and you heard Baruch carrying on about how unfair God was treating you? In other words, if you were God, you were treating Baruch and you heard Baruch carry on like this. What would you want to say to him? Hold that thought for a minute. Here's how we're going to see what happened. Because in this moment of what about me, he had lost something. He had lost his servant heart. That is his selflessness. He was thinking about me and my rights and my whatever. It's easy to do this in a marriage, isn't it? I've said to you before that when two people get married, it's the closest thing that we have on earth to who God is, to who God is like. Because when you marry another person, you say these words, with my body, I thee worship, or with my body, I give you. (laughs) And we are surrendering to another person. You cannot on your wedding night say, what about me? Because you just made a vow that day that it wasn't about me. It was about you. I'm here to love you. I wonder how many couples remember the vows they made to each other on their wedding day and how seriously they take those vows. Marriage is not about you. If I ask the question, why do you want to get married? Because it will make me happy. I'm hearing the wrong answer. (laughs) That should never be the answer. And if I ask you the same question, why do you want to become a Christian? Because I want to be happy. I'm not hearing the right answer either. He had for a moment lost his sense of selflessness, his servant heart. And he had just for a moment become self-focused. We all have these moments. I have them more than most, I'm ashamed to say. The next verse, and here it is. Verse 5, and do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not, for behold, I am bringing disaster upon all flesh, declares the Lord. But I will give you, here's the second thing. Remember how I said God was gracious to him? The first thing he said was, I've heard you. This is what you've said. Here's the second thing. Remember his complaint? We can guess his complaint. I'm going to die That's horrible. That's not how I thought the script was to go. I'm writing the script and I didn't think it was going to go this way. God, woe is me. I am undone. I'm fed up. I'm sick of this. And here's what God says to him. This is why I think this is tender. God says, I'm bringing disaster on all flesh, declares the Lord. But, here's the but. There's two buts in this story. Here's the second but. But. I will give you your life as a prize of war in all places to which you may go. (laughs) Gee, man, if, if I was God and I had someone who was telling me I didn't know what I was doing and how unfair I was and how and how I was not worthy to be God, I would not talk to them like that. And aren't you glad I'm not God? Because the real God talks tenderly. He talks compassionately. He talks as if he really does care. And I suspect he does. 
And here he is talking to Baruch as if he really cares. He really does care. Notice this, I'll give you your prize. I'll give you your life as a prize. How would that make you feel? Remember, it's Jeremiah telling him this. Jeremiah didn't get that word of the Lord for himself. And what I can tell you is that in a few days, a few weeks, Jeremiah will be slaughtered. And Baruch will escape and live. How often do we have these complaining moments in our life and God, instead of smacking us around the ears, turns around and puts his arm around us and says, I understand how you're feeling. And if you'll just keep trusting me, I can promise you this, it'll work out okay. What do we learn from this passage? Firstly, I want you to notice something. God told Baruch, don't seek great things for yourself. This is not the context for great things. This is the context for me doing something that means in, in about 570 years, I will be able to birth my son through a virgin girl by what I'm doing right now. If God had not done this, you and I could not be here today. If God had not done this, Mary could not have even existed, let alone given birth. This was important to the plan of God. So he was told, Baruch was told, do not seek great things for yourself in that context. The greatest thing he was going to get was the privilege of having his life. What else do we see in this? I hope you might see that just because God says something to someone in Scripture doesn't necessarily mean he's saying it to you. You know, you might be about to go off to war. I don't think there's anyone here who's about to go off to war. And you may read a verse like that and go, that's God speaking to me. Can I tell you, it's actually not. It's God speaking to Baruch. And we're reading it. Just please understand that's how Scripture works. None of this is written to us, but it's written for us. So here's the, here's the principle in this context. Don't seek great things for yourself. But you know what? There could be some here tonight, especially young people, and God is calling you to greatness. He's actually calling you to do great things. And I wonder how many Christians, in a sense of false humility, don't step up and walk in the plan that God has, the destiny that God has. So God may be calling you. He may be gifting you. How many world-class musicians could come out of this church and walk onto the world stage? How many won't, even though God may be calling them to do it, because their shyness has become an idol? And they're not prepared to lay that down. Remember what we said worship was? It's getting the focus off you and onto God. How many great world-class preachers are there? In this church, I hope there's a lot. And I hope that when they begin to blossom and step out, we don't act like normal Australians and try and tear them down. But we cheer them on. And we recognize God's given them a gift. You go for it. You step into what God has for you. So God may gift you, he may call you, gift you, enable you to fulfill great things 
for himself. That might be God's plan for your life. Do you understand? We're talking about God's plan for Baruch's life right now. So what was God doing? God was being very gracious to Baruch by granting him his life. And I want you to hear this. Because I think there are Christians that read random verses in the Old Testament written to Israel or to kings or to different people. And they go, ah, I take that as a promise for me. I don't think you can do that. So let's understand this. God was speaking to Baruch and God was being gracious. He didn't have to grant Baruch his life. He didn't have to, but he did. That's God being gracious. So this, is, this practically means this. I hope no one in this church ever, ever gets cancer. But can I tell you this? If I got cancer and God chose not to heal me of that and I, I died as a result, God has not been one iota less gracious to me than I deserve. And I have looked some of our cancer, I'm, I'm struggling to use the word victims, but some people who have been blighted with cancer, I've looked them in the eye and told them, God is still good, he's still on the throne, he's still worthy of your worship, be thankful for what he's given you. He may not give you much more time on earth. Be grateful for what you've had and what you've got. Now let's pray for your healing. And I'll do that. And you, if you've ever heard me pray for you, you know I pray that God might heal people by miracle or by medicine. We ask God to do it and we ask God to give those in the medical profession the wisdom otherwise to do it. And if God doesn't do it, he's not being ungracious to you. But if he does do it, he's being gracious to you. Please let's understand this. This is why we don't claim our certain rights and wave them up in God's face and demand that he has to do certain things because after all we've told him to <laughs> that's not how we treat God I know that some people aren't going to fully understand that here's the conclusion this is where I want to bring it to a close so get this from this this is five verses out of Jeremiah written to Jeremiah's best friend his most loyal trusted friend it's a really tender moment. I, I imagine Jeremiah the weeping prophet saying this with tears streaming down his face. Tears as he says this to his best friend. And I can imagine Baruch breaking down in tears and embracing Jeremiah as he realizes what Jeremiah has just said. Because what Jeremiah has just said, he didn't say. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jeremiah has just said, God has told me he's going to grant you your life. He hasn't told me that. The death that I just announced in the last chapter, Baruch, you wrote it down. I'm a part of that. You'll live. And Baruch, my friend, may God bless you. <laughs> And I just think this is a sweet, tender moment between two rich and dear friends. So I think we should learn the lessons here from Brooke. Let's be a servant. Let's serve. Let's try and minimize the, you know, what was it, the what about me moments. I know it was a great song and all, but it's lousy theology. Let's be faithful. 
What does that mean? It means when you've got a trial, when you feel like quitting, when you feel like giving up, you overcome it. You push through. You keep going. You hang in there. That will happen in your families with your parents. It'll happen with your brothers and sisters. It'll happen with your husband or with your wife. If you want to be faithful, you've got to go through trials and come out the other side. Still in relationship. That's what faithfulness is. And to be thankful. You see, he said, I'm going to grant you your life and your life's going to be a prize. Who's ever thought, you know, when you wake up in the morning, hmm, I can breathe, I've got a pulse in my body. I am so thankful. Most of us don't because we... Because of the context we're in, we take it for granted. But shortly, when the Babylonians come in and they slaughter everyone, Jeremiah is slaughtered, perhaps, in front of, in sight of Baruch. Suddenly this expression, I grant you your life as a prize, takes on a whole different context. So let's be thankful for what we've got. What if tomorrow you only had what you were thankful for today? How much would you have tomorrow? Baruch had lost a clear sense of God and his word and he suffered as a result. Is there a message for you too in there to be faithful, to be a servant, to be thankful? More from Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Do Not Seek Great Things for Yourself, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.